welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Just, you know, keeping some peepers on still multiple trials going on and all kinds of things. And so my head spinning. Holy crap. Right? I know. Me too. Just trying to keep up with all of it. Yeah. It's a bunch. But I can't really play is. with my little fidget guy I got from you. I was going to say, do you have your snail? Yeah. He's on so, my desk. Look how cute this is. It's so cute. Look. There's a little pink one, too. Ah. Or the one I make into a necklace as well. I, they're so um, fucking cute. And I can't quit. I'm just constantly having to shake him up again. And Yeah. Yeah. I know. Really, really fun. Well, before we get started, I will sing you my sad tale of getting kicked off Etsy for <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I was on there for four whole days. Many of yeah. you know because you followed my store and ordered things from me and everyone who did, everything has shipped. So please know that you will get everything that you ordered. However, I no longer have an Etsy store. And do I know why that is? No, I do not. They said I violated their terms and conditions. And when I said, please tell me what I did, I didn't do anything intentionally. Please let me fix this. They said, no, you're permanently banned. Bye-bye. Yep. After four days. Four days. Yeah. So my shop has simply made a move to Instagram and it is mm-hmm. Fidget Whimsy on Instagram. So mm-hmm. please come follow me there. Um, I would really appreciate it and sorry for all the trouble. It is so dumb. I, I don't know um what happened or why. There is I've had fraud on two cards as well through Etsy, through this project. And it's been really, really frustrating. So honestly, I'm kind of glad to be on Instagram because it's a whole lot less drama. Right. I've already got a page on Insta. Yeah, I'm blown away because I've had my Etsy store for years and I've never had any trouble. I So weird. And I've had Etsy shops before too. I read from some other crafters today that had just started Etsy stores whose stores were unceremoniously closed and they don't know why. There's just something in the water. I don't know. It's so Yeah, there's a group on um there's a group on Reddit that's talking all about it. And I'm just like, well, whatever. I'm going to Instagram. So I just moved to Instagram. And so all my I've got videos over there of the things I have available. And I'm just gonna keep doing it over there. So please come follow me if you don't mind. Um and I did I do have some show and tell. And the first thing was yes the snails because they're so freaking cute and see how the shell is a little magic fidget potion and making these in a bunch of colors katie's got her neon orange one this one's a Mm -hmm. pink one with black flecks and then i can make them like this i can put them on a chain if you want you can wear it as a necklace which i Mm -hmm. think they're so cute that way my other new thing one of my other new things is clouds see these little clouds see how they have fidget potions in the corners and then I also have alpacas. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't that so cute? <laughs> and they have a little fidget in them as well. And I'm going to have, this one didn't actually turn out very well, but I still wanted to show it to you so you can see it. Um, it is a, uh, it's a crystal ball. Oh, and it's going to have a fidget bubble in it. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. 
Brianna's going to need something fairy themed. themed. Okay, I will. Yes, I am taking requests and I do take special orders. So if you have something particular you want, if you have a color scheme you need, those things are all possible. So just message me on Instagram and we'll work it out. I'm already talking with one of you about some things that you want and I am happy to do it and I can do all different kinds of colors and stuff. And actually doing it on Instagram is a lot easier because I can just make things and send you a video and say, hey, do you like this? You know, that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. yes, please. Love pearls. It. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yes, I could do pearls. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Awesome. All right. So, anyway, just wanted to tell you all that. And thanks for supporting me on Etsy for four days. And now <laughs> please come support me on Instagram forever. Because I just and also, Etsy. Instagram. Get your shit dope. together. What the hell? Yeah, Etsy. What? Dumb. Jerks. Jerks. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, with that, we probably better get this show on the road. So, <laughs> this dysfunction already started. <laughs> and that is what did Jennifer Kremley's attorney do today? Jeez, almighty. What is going on? With this lady, wait, Shannon Smith. What the yeah. hell is going on with her? All right. Well, no. It was a very interesting day. Uh, one of the interesting things that happened is we finally got to see the uh, the cop cam footage of them finding them hiding in that uh, building in oh, Detroit. Yeah. We also got to hear the nine one one call of the person who spotted them. Oh so goodness. I'm going to play those for you. I'll tell you right now they're. It's not perfect footage, but it's the best I could do. So uh, yeah. let, let's go ahead and watch those, and I'll tell you a little bit more about court today. The people who, the parents of the shooter that are running away, they're here. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're referring to. You have to be more specific. Tell me exactly what happened at the location, what's going on now. Okay, so the Oakland shooter, the kid, has the two parents that are on the run right now, and it says, you know, Oakland County that call if you see anything, and I just wanted to go park my car and switch it around at my office and at my office, and there was a Kia that looked like their car, and I walked around and checked um, their license plate, and it's their car, and the, the woman is here next, next to the car, can't believe it, they're here. Two parents that were on the road. 
of that, but for a second to confirm. This is December the 4th, 2021, at 1.33 in the morning. Okay. Is that, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. And this is camera from your um, body-worn camera? Yes, sir. Okay, tell us quickly, where is that camera affixed on your uniform? I have it affixed uh, to the right side of my chest, just underneath um, my uh, magazine carrier. Okay. Because I have a lot of stuff here, but it's just a space pretty much right underneath my right arm. You see a lot of stuff here. We're talking about the tactical vest you described? Yes, sir. Okay. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why that first part replayed itself three times. Dumb, but <laughs> that was funny. And we I was got so very, proud of really the got caller. it down though. Right? Well, I was so proud of the caller because he said the Oakland County said if you see something, say something, essentially. Yes. And I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah. They're actually here. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. So there they were in that warehouse. It was an, an acquaintance's uh, art studio. Yeah. Wild that there was a mattress in there. I'm guessing that person stays there frequently, too, because there was that actual bed in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the yelling you heard was James while they were wrestling him into cuffs. Did mm-hmm. you hear how scared he sounded when they yeah. asked him what his name was? Like these, They were terrified. They were terrified. Well, and they, they were on the run. Yep. Yeah, they were. They absolutely knew mm-hmm. that they had seriously screwed up mm-hmm. and that they were in deep shit. Well, and then they immediately paid 
high-powered attorneys to represent themselves while declining to pay for Ethan's defense and just letting him have a public defender. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty people. Yeah. Not like uh, you didn't know, but boy, that's just another reminder. While they played that in court today, Jennifer Crumbly sobbed and sobbed. She's cried a lot in court. Also, some of you guys mentioned this, but Jennifer, my God, she looks like a different person. Oh, she does. She looks terrible. Mm, so bad. So can you imagine how much this gone right to the police and cooperated with the police and yeah. helped with Ethan? Like it might not have got to this point had they mm -hmm. not done this, you know? I think that's true. So the main things that were discussed today uh, were this uh, and you know the, the way they were found. And again, Smith kind of tried to indicate like they spent their first night at a hotel that was like right by the police station. That does not seem to me like people that are running. Uh-huh. She also was trying to sell one of her well, They horses. weren't at their own house, were they? Yeah. There was a bunch of text messages between her and a friend trying to uh, sell her a horse for $8,000. There, oh, wow. there was um, the other thing that happened today, though, and this was kind of this was a huge exchange. I tried to pull some snippets to let you guys hear some of it, but it was just too much. But uh, the <sighs> Jennifer's lover, because, you know, we know that she was having an affair and right. her situation there. There, a year and a half ago, it was determined that they would not be able to bring the affair into court. And that was at Jennifer's attorney's insistence, right? Mm -hmm. So they get him on the stand today, and Smith immediately starts trying to dis discredit the police that interviewed him. He was interviewed three times. Uh, the first one was for like an hour and 40 minutes. The second interview was for an hour. The third one was for two hours and 45 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. over the course of, you know, the last couple of years. And mm -hmm. so she was uh, putting a lot of words in his mouth. Finally, the prosecution, I'm, I'm, the whole time I'm like, why are you letting her get away with that? She was testifying. Yeah. She was leading. I mean, it was ridiculous. Finally, they were like, okay, wait a minute. It was like the judge and the prosecutor were sound asleep there for a minute. But she kept mm. hedging around this. Well, they were threatening your job because he's a firefighter. They were threatening mm. your job. They were threatening your pension and stuff. And finally, the defense is like, okay. Or the prosecution, sorry, was like, all right, wait a minute. She's getting real close to the line of things that we were told we couldn't talk about. And the thing is, they had already questioned this witness. Mm -hmm. And they had followed the rules and stayed completely away from the affair. He was just called a friend of Jennifer Grumbly's, right? Wow. So they're like, that's not okay. You know, and, and so she's like, you know what? I don't even care. Let's just bring it all out on the table. And Ooh, my God. Well, I think the witness cared. The prosecution is like, uh, well, no, uh, not without we he the prosecution, this this trial is run so weird. It's like the judge is yeah, she's not controlling the courtroom at all. So the prosecution's mm -hmm. like, we have to get the jury out of here and make a record. And the mm -hmm. defense is like, no, we don't. I just, I'm telling you right now, I'm fine to just open the door on that. I'm just ready to keep going. And tries to just keep going with questioning the witness. And he's like, no, uh-uh. 
loss, uh, that would be up to the judge, not her. Right. He's like, I want to know, I want to hear directly from Jennifer Crumbly that she's okay with this because mm -hmm. this is a ruling that was already made. Like, this isn't how this is done. And the judge is just right. sitting there watching. So he's like, judge, we need to release the jury. And she's like, oh, well, okay then. So they weird. What so they the release hell? the jury and then they have a bunch of fireworks back and forth. She makes Jennifer stand up and uh, raise her right hand and profess that, you know, it's okay with her that they undo this ruling. Mm -hmm. And so they go ahead and get, uh, they bring the jury back in. She goes back to cross on him. And again, just continually keeps uh, dragging on him that, yeah, so they were, they were trying to, they were threatening you. Did you feel threatened? And he's like, no. They're like, did you feel like your, she said, do you feel like your job was threatened and your pension was threatened? And he's like, no. Basically, they were threatening him that, uh, you know, it's possible that your affair with Jennifer Grumbley is going to come out and people are going to know that you've been having an affair and that could affect mm -hmm. you at work and that could affect you in your personal life and you need to know those things are happening. Right. And the, uh, you know, but it, there were lots of uh, objections and things because she just was, she's a terrible interviewer. I mean, I guess she's doing her job, but her level of testifying herself was off the chain. So well, anyway, the judge is allowing that shit too. Like what yeah. the hell? So the affair is in and on the table. And basically the prosecution said while the jury was out of the room, this, it, it stands to her gross negligence that she was so distracted with a lover that she wasn't taking care of her kid. Like if right. we're bringing it in, we're bringing it all in. So well, right, because that's from the very beginning they've been mm -hmm. saying that. Like she was so yeah. busy, she wasn't paying any attention to Ethan at all. Right. The fact mm. that she opened the door on that today, I thought was really surprising and foolish. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah, there's several things. Uh at one point she was on a live mic and was voice texting into her phone trying to order some tank tops, and Jennifer <laughs> Crumbly told her that her mic was live. Uh, <laughs> That one was so stupid. Like, At one point, she was doing? complaining about being hungry, and the judge offered her some bagels, and she said, I can't eat bagels. I only can have soup. It's the only thing that will go down my esophagus. And <laughs> I have a theory on that, I'll tell you. But uh, mm -hmm. so she's like, anyway, she was just going to send someone out to get her some soup. Uh, there was another moment, yeah, where she was didn't watch a video because she didn't think it was pertinent to her case. Another time where she asked for some extra time to go through some text messages that she had not looked through before because she just hadn't. She is wildly unprepared. Right. On the esophagus thing, if you see uh, photos and videos of her from Larry Nasser's case, she's quite a bit heavier. I'm willing to bet that she's had some kind of uh, gastric bypass or other weight loss surgery, and that's affected her ability to swallow. That's completely my opinion but mm -hmm. that, it makes me wonder if that's what uh what that was all about but it sure could be yeah bonkers. but yeah and she's was larry nasser's attorney oh yeah she didn't have the wi-fi oh. password it's just one thing after another with her i the prosecution you can see is just like jesus christ what is happening but the judge babies her and treats her with kid gloves. She speaks to her in a really, I know, I know you didn't mean that. It's okay. And stuff when you're like, oh, oh what the hell? Hmm, okay. 
that's bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. It's totally bizarre. This is such a big precedent setting, high profile case. Right. And she is just messing around. It's yeah. One of you said, oh yeah. Paula said that she acts like she's disinterested in the trial unless she's the one speaking. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wild. So, but it's also wild to me how loose the uh, judge is with the courtroom. Yeah. It's just not the way I've seen really any other trial ever run. And the fact that I feel like the prosecution is constantly guiding the judge. Like, we have to release the jury. We have to make a record. We have to do this. He said, I am insisting on these things for an appellate. You know, he's like, we have to do these things. And the judge right. is like, oh, okay, then, yeah, okay, we can do that if that's what you want. What the hell? Who is driving this bus? Because at this point, I'm thinking, actually, no one. Yeah, Teresa says maybe the judge is her mom. Kind of <laughs> seems like it, doesn't it? She acts so like weird. it. I have some bagels. At one point, they released the jury so they could fight something out. And the jury was instructed that they could go out and eat donuts and licorice. <laughs> It is was more fun than listening to this idiot. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the jury, I, or the prosecution initially had said that they would be done uh, by the end of this week. But now that they opened the door on the affair, they have some witnesses they're probably going to want to bring in. So I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting that he and said, I mean, you know, the prosecutor said, he said, this changes the game. This changes our case. This is, this yeah. is really big. Yeah. Right. And and the defense attorney just blase said, oh, fine, whatever. Like, weird. I what, want what? to open the door on it. I want to open the door and walk right through it. I want that. Oh, God, the way she talks. Mm. Oh, yeah. She's very annoying. But why would you possibly want that? You know? I don't know. And she was trying so hard to make the police look bad and like they had really done something wrong. And she really didn't accomplish it. It was weird well and uh, repeatedly the attorney the prosecutor's like i am not going to allow this to to allow her to just keep uh, impugning the police here they have done nothing wrong at all like right. basically you every can't time just say it like there has to be actual proof and there isn't any mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> star's good baby well I, that would just be the icing on this cake she said i feel like the judge is going to have a huge meltdown at some point in fact, I think she will direct her angry outburst at the defense attorney. Well, I would. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jennifer yeah. said that she trusts her. Oh, Jennifer. Uh, you do? We already know your judgment really sucks, but uh, that is on full display right now. Oh, boy. It is. It, it's very concerning to me that this is going to be immediate grounds for, um, you know, incompetent counsel can it though because she's not I mean, she's a private pay they she's can still go for person. it it's, it's harder to prove it but it, they mm -hmm. still can seek it it's possible but you know it again you're right that that she's choosing this attorney so yeah not not that this nonsense would be too hard to prove because uh it's all over everywhere yeah wild but with that i'll kick it back to you because i know we've got a lot more okay. to do all right. Well, let's talk about uh, Brian Koberger. Yeah. So the uh, change of venue request 
is out. Um, they're arguing that a fair and impartial jury cannot be found uh, in in Lemhi County, which we know. I mean, this, this was not a surprise. But I was just going to read no. the going to read the uh, order to you here. Of course, I can't. Oh, here it is. Okay, just wanted to read it to you so you can kind of hear what they're thinking. So comes now Brian C. Koberger by and through his attorneys, moves this court for a change of venue. By this motion, Brian requests a jury pool from outside Lata. Oh, yeah, not Lemhi, Lata County. This motion is made pursuant to the 5th, 6th, 8th, and 14th Amendments. It's the same stuff that, that you know, happened with the Daybell trial. Like, same same argument, you know, there's been a huge amount of, um, of publicity, plus this is a small county with a small jury pool. Um, a fair and impartial jury cannot be found in Lataw County owing to the extensive inflammatory <laughs> pre-trial publicity allegations made about Mr. Coburger to the public by media that will be inadmissible at his trial, the small size of the community, the salacious nature of the alleged crimes. Salacious. I mean, Jesus, I guess this is what defense attorneys do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the severity of the charges Mr. Coburger faces. In large jury, the jury pool will not do anything to overcome that pervasive prejudicial publicity because Laytock County does not have a large enough population center to avoid the bias in the community, further mm -hmm. the size of the community and the interconnectedness of its citizenry is problematic and will prevent a fair and impartial pool of potential jurors. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Koberger by and through his counsel requests an opportunity to be heard through evidentiary presentation and argument no sooner, get this, than the end of April 2024. So they're putting this out now and they still want two months, three months yeah. before they even address it. The thing is, I just don't really think it's much of a question that they're going to move this trial. Um, this shouldn't surprise anybody. Of course they can't do it there. Yeah. 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 Um I think, you know, the the def the prosecution will will try to say no because they always do. But of course. I mean, really, this was this has been known from day one, just like Dave Valo was known from day one. There's no way that this community can bring about an impartial jury. My question is, are they going to bring it clear back to Boise, or are they going to take it to like Coeur d'Alene? What do you think? Because I... Boise is pretty much what we've got for like heavily populated areas because we don't have that much. I think it'll be Boise. I feel like they'll have to get further away from or from uh, Moscow than Coeur d'Alene. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's I, it's not surprising at all. This is happening, but it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to go to Russia or North Korea to get an impartial jury. That's probably right. right, right. <laughs> Where well, are they going to go? But, you know, it's the same as Dave Alvalo. They're going to find people in a bigger population mm -hmm. of people that aren't into true crime, that haven't been paying a lot of attention, mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, I, I, I've just expected that this was coming. I think we all have, but mm -hmm. the, the timing is interesting because man, they give themselves a huge amount of time. Whenever they ask for something, they just want it longer. You know, they're talking about yeah. that. They may not be really ready for trial till 2025. Yeah. And I'm like, my God, you know, They've already had a year, over a year. It's crazy. Pretty wild. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm I'm kind of glad to see some movement forward in Coburger that's actually about the trial eventually yeah. occurring because there's mm-hmm. been a lot of just a lot of back and forth fighting and you know stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with the trial getting going and I mm-hmm. think that's what everybody needs and that's what that community needs yeah voluminous yes friend voluminous definitely applies to this case as well so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens and we'll see what the prosecutors you know what their uh response to this is but I mean, I think it's a no-brainer that they're going to move it. Oh, yeah. Agree. Yeah. Katie, uh, there's been a um, kind of a development in the Green River Killer. You want to tell us about that? There has. There's been one final case solved. Oh, I can't believe I didn't get a picture. Dang it. So there was one last set of remains that has never been identified. And it was labeled as Bones 20. And all this time, they have not known who Bones 20 was. And they have finally figured it out and put a name on Bones 20. Bones 20 is a 16-year-old little girl named Tammy. And her Tammy Lyles. And so now we can finally, this is the final Green River Killer uh victim this is victim number 49 my god so yep Tammy was tough to get my brain around there she is 49 wow yep poor tammy so uh tammy was killed sometime in the 80s it looks like and we know of course that uh this is ridgeway he's been convicted of murdering 49 women and girls during the 80s and 90s in -hmm. washington He's also believed to have killed over 90 other women's women and girls uh, in total. But these are the ones that they actually have remains for. So she's the final one that they know that they can attribute to him. So this was uh, some magic from Othram that managed to draw some. Yeah, of course. Because all that was left of her was some teeth and some bones. And oh they were able to draw some DNA and get a partial and then work from there. And they were tentatively sure that this was her. They got DNA from her mother who is still living and they were able to verify it. So now at least her family gets to have that much uh, closure. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Wow. Yep. So much love to her family. That's probably just opens up old wounds wide open. I'm sure that it does, but it's a good thing to have her identified. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an amazing thing, you know, that Othram is yeah. able to do, you know, what they're able to do. It's it's unreal. But to think that we're finally, like, this is finally closure. Yeah, on they are actual wizards, wild. man. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They, they truly, truly are. Wow. So okay. DNA for the win again. Most definitely. Uh, there's a bit of an update in the Jeremy Best case. So yeah. Jeremy Best is the, this is a case local to us that um, we've talked about. Jeremy uh, is accused of uh, murdering his pregnant wife and then being found with the lifeless body of his 10-month-old son the next day. And Jeremy is the guy who was walking around in a store naked um, in 30 degree weather 
and ended up in a hospital and they didn't hold him. And then his wife came and picked him up. And then that night is when he killed her and went on the run with the baby uh -huh. or is what is what is alleged. Uh -huh. So uh, interestingly, we have um, uh, Jim Archibald is his attorney, one of them because he needed a death penalty certified attorney because this is potentially a death penalty case mm -hmm. initially there was a competency uh evaluation the judge found best competent and i think many of us were very surprised by that including yeah. his attorneys because best did not appear to be competent so uh, archibald has taken a run at that again mm -hmm. He has uh, filed a motion to dismiss the indictment. Um, he argues that a grand jury should reconvene on this due to a lack of consideration for the charges, evidence, and witnesses presented during the indictment proceedings. So the indictment came down real fast on this case. Uh -huh. And what Archibald is saying is that there is a lot of evidence to show that Best had never shown any animosity toward his wife or his son. Um, and that there are many people who say that they were happy and that he loved his family and that there was no, there was no indication that he had any malice. Yeah. That this is, you know, this is being called malice murder, but he's saying prove it because there is no indication that there was malice at all. Mm -hmm. And what we are seeing is that there's a total lack of malice. Yeah. So interestingly, certainly. Um, well, and also, didn't he say that the grand jury was not presented with anything regarding his mental health? Yeah, they didn't consider his mental health at all. And I, that's just so bizarre to me that that wasn't presented given the way that this case played out and the lead up to it. Is it's that's shocking to me. Uh, me too. Me too. I mean, yeah. if if what Archibald is alluding to is to be, is is accurate, is true, then the grand jury didn't hear about the fact that he was naked at the rainy store and no. taken into custody and taken to the hospital. I mean, they didn't hear right. any of that. No, this is what Archibald says. He says the fact that. Uh, defendant had been detained on the day in question at a store in Swan Valley, Idaho, where he was found delirious and confused and naked and then detained by law enforcement and taken to Eastern Idaho Regional Medical Center in Idaho Falls, Idaho, was not considered by the grand jury. The mental health breakdown of the defendant deals directly with premeditation and malice. Which How could I that not be with. considered? Right. Who's the prosecutor in Teton? Do you know? Um, we got to do some see. homework. It is Bailey Smith. Hmm. I don't know. Who I don't know anything about. Uh -uh. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that is very concerning to me considering the way that this all played out. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think you're right, Jessica, that the, uh, police and hospital are, are playing cover your ass. Of course, yeah. they don't want to be held liable for this in any way. Um, but it is pretty tough to look at this situation and not have some questions for them. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad Archibald is on this case because he is really strong on mental health. And mm -hmm. I is. feel like, 
I'm not saying that what uh, Jeremy Best did was right at all, or, you know, that he shouldn't be held accountable for it. But at the same time, his mental health has to come into play here. It was the most right. biggest contributing factor. And anyone who knows them, I mean, you know, interviews with his sister right after this happened, indicating the same thing. Why yeah. didn't the hospital hold him? Why in yeah. the world was he sent home? What the hell happened here? Well, and Archibald that said that it was considered. Right. Well, and, and also Archibald says, you know, his wife came with the baby and picked him up from the hospital. Yeah. She didn't seem to be in any fear for her life. No. Or for the safety of her child. She, you know, there wasn't anything leading up to this that made her go, I'm not going anywhere near him. He's dangerous. Right. No, no. So I, I'm glad that this is being readdressed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, honestly, guys, because this is Idaho. Mm -hmm. It's still the wild, wild west here. And mental health um, considerations are rarely taken into account, yeah, even totally. in one as obvious as this. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm grateful that Jeremy's defense attorney is doing just that because mm -hmm. we want justice in this case, not revenge. Right. Not vengeance. Yeah. You know, this does not appear to be a man who set out to murder his wife and child. Like no. he did those things, but he didn't plan to do those things. And that's what Archibald is saying. How can this be first degree murder when there is no evidence whatsoever of um, planning that went into this? Right. He said, yeah. if anything, it's second that was the murder. other thing. He said they weren't presented with an opportunity to uh to choose second degree murder and right. that was the other uh error that he perceived you know happened with the grand jury so it's yeah. hard to fight the grand jury really hard to fight the grand jury but I, i'm glad he's on it the way he is yeah it is really concerning though the the fact that the the jury didn't the grand jury didn't even have that information about the the mental health stuff and being in the hospital and all that like what that's crazy. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Speaking of crazy, uh, you want to give us a little update on Becky Hill? Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, Lauren Elism. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, it really appeared that Becky Hill perjured herself on the stand. Uh, she talked in circles mm -hmm. a lot. She uh, really just kind of didn't answer things, said things. Mm -hmm some odd things like, you know, about the book that she had was taking literary license uh, to lie, uh, <laughs> but yeah. whatever on all of that. But uh, so people have been kind of been saying, what happens to Becky Hill now? Well, SLED says they're still investigating her. Are they? I've been wondering, like, is she still looking at something here? Mm hmm. Uh, SLED says, especially, I mean, Jean Toll said it, that she was not completely credible. Mm -hmm. And that she, uh, you know, was had her head turned by the siren call of celebrity. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, so she has one more year, or should have one more year of her tenure, uh, mm -hmm. and, and could run again, though I think it would be uh, unwise. Unwise, yeah. But at any rate, SLED still says that they are still investigating her actions and. This is not over. So well, I, I think that's pretty interesting. Well, and there's a difference between, you know, did she throw the trial and mm -hmm. did she act unethically 
and outside her purview, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's, yeah. I think now we're going to see the difference between those two things, but yes, this is yeah. the Murdoch case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, as far as Colleton County is concerned, uh, Duffy Stone, who is the 14th Cir- circuit solicitor said, I don't think there's any doubt that she has credibility issues right now. He said he would hesitate to put her on the witness stand if she were a police officer. Yeah. Well, well, that tells you what you need to hear then, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Boy. What wow, a mess. That? Okay. Yeah, it's a huge mess. Yeah. Speaking of messes, you guys, something happened last night that is absolutely oh. horrifying. Mm. This happened in Pennsylvania. So a man went on YouTube ranting a bunch of sort of QAnon-y kinds of stuff while holding up the head of his father Yep, that he had beheaded him. Uh-huh. Apparently the video was actually up on YouTube for about six hours and had about 6,000 views before they got it down. Oh my God. And then it had been downloaded a bunch of times and was shown up on Twitter and people were having to, Twitter was all over the place trying to take it down from there as well. Huh. So this guy's name is Justin, uh, Justin Moan. Uh, he's 32. He is, um, was taken into custody by the Middleton Township Police Department in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he's been charged with first degree murder, abuse of a corpse and possession of an instrument of crime. His mother found his dad's headless body. Mm-hmm. And called 911. Oh my God. Absolutely horrifying, terrifying. It's, oh my goodness. And it is one of those, you know, the guy's got a manifesto kind of situations, you know? Yep. Apparently, he had been decapitated with a machete and a large kitchen knife in the bathtub. Oh my God. Yeah. And on the video, he was ranting about politics and yes, ranting about politics and also ranting about the federal government and calling his dad a traitor because his dad is a was a federal employee. Uh Just absolutely terrifying, sickening. My heart is absolutely broken for this family. I cannot imagine. Um, he said some very terrible things about the president, about Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and called for the death of all federal officials yeah. and then called for the death of some very individually by name, which is really scary. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that is happening in this country right now that is so terrifying to me mm-hmm. is that a lot of this really hateful, vitriolic shit that's being said is being picked up on by people who are very unwell. Uh-huh. And then they are acting upon those things. Taking it very literally. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And he threatened to pil- kill more federal employees. Yeah. Thank yes, God he was caught he and stopped when he was. But oh. Right. I mean, the, the fact that he only killed one person is kind of amazing, considering. Uh-huh. So fortunately, he is in custody and being held and has a preliminary hearing coming up on February 8th. So we will see uh, what 
goes on with that. But it is a thing that I think we have to remember is that there are vulnerable, mentally ill individuals in this country who are so caught up mm-hmm. in the political hate screed that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And and some of them take it literally and actually use it as an excuse to kill people. And this guy mm-hmm. killed his own dad because of it. Really scary. Yeah. So we need to be aware of people in our own lives and of what's being said and people who are unwell. We need to be checking on people regularly. Yes. For sure. And per always, if you see something, say something. Always. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, because that's, frankly, that's all we've got. Yeah. Is to say something, you know. Okay, Katie, I think you have an update for us in uh, Richard Allen. Yes, I do. Uh, Very interesting. Tonight on Court TV, there is an interview. It's an exclusive interview that Court TV has snagged with one of Richard Allen's former attorneys. This is Bill Labrado. Uh, Barbara McDonald is interviewing him. And so I wanted to share a little bit about their preliminary coverage and then go watch it. I will definitely watch it and we'll talk about it more later. It is very rare to see an attorney go on the news and take an interview like this. He's only been off this case for a week, 10 days. And he is front and center. And I just want to share a few of the things he apparently is saying in the interview. Uh, This is a quote from uh, Court TV. He said, I thought it was hocus pocus. I was wrong. It's a what I was 100% wrong. This is a real thing and it's a dangerous thing. This is him talking about the Odinism angle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a few other things. So he did go to the Supreme Court. He said, when I found out the other attorneys were reinstated, uh, you know, which was just a few hours after the Supreme Court uh, convened, he, the first thing he did was to reach out to Kathy, to Richard Allen's wife. He said she really had wanted to be there. He said it, he wasn't completely surprised. Uh, he didn't like the way all of this has happened. So he was asked, Barbara asked him, can you share with me how Kathy responded to the court's ruling? He said she didn't comment about the other attorneys being reinstated. She just expressed her gratitude to me, Robert, and Susie. Uh, Robert was the co-counsel and Susie Muller is the uh, investigator. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, did you ever talk with Richard Allen about his desire to reinstate Brad Rossi and Andrew Baldwin? He said, we never really addressed who he wanted as his lawyers, nor did he ever say, I don't want you guys. I want my old lawyers. Nor did he ever say, I don't want my old lawyers, I want you guys. I know that was probably mm-hmm. Mr. Allen's wishes on October 11th, but I can't say that remained the same up until yesterday. Uh, he then, of course, said that there was a letter given to Fran, Judge Fran Gohl saying that, uh, you know, clear back on October 11th, that he wanted to maintain his attorneys. And then, of course, that didn't happen. Uh He said uh, he thinks that he and his wife were afraid that they were going to have to hire new private attorneys that they wouldn't be able to do and just didn't know what they were going to do in that instance. Mm -hmm. Um, 
communication with Richard Allen and with his wife has been pretty, uh, pretty nil. And so there were a lot of things they didn't really understand. Mm. So he does say that he thinks he's doing a little better in the tr prison that he's in. That's good. He said, uh, his mental health and physical health has improved from the first time I saw him on October 31st, 2023. At that point, he looked extremely thin, pale, just didn't look good. He's gotten mm -hmm. better. He weighed 206 pounds at his arrest, had dropped clear to 122 pounds at his lowest. Oh, my God. He said he's still very thin, but he's gained some weight. That's good. He also said that they were getting ready to file their own Frank's... Uh, motion because uh they do believe that the odinist theory of crime has merit wow he said when we first heard about these things we were thought when we first heard about it and that these attorneys were going down this road i thought it was hocus pocus i was wrong i was 100 percent wrong this is a real thing and a dangerous thing wow he also discussed uh the the guards in the prisons wearing the odinist patch and yes. Why after, are they allowed to do that? I don't understand. Why is that allowed? And that many of them have the Odin spear tattooed on their face as well. It's on their face? Mm -hmm. Wow. He said to her, you asked me if you thought my client committed this crime, and I do not, but that doesn't matter. He said that he does not believe that Richard Allen can get a fair trial at this point, and he's extremely concerned about where this is going. Mm -hmm. Wow. He also said that the reason for their uh, petition for a Frank's hearing would have been that there were definite problems with the information used to obtain the search warrant for Allen's home. Mm -hmm. That's one thing in big question because the stuff that they uh, presented to the judge to get a search warrant turned out to not be true. Some of it. Yeah, but you know, uh, Gull has already upheld the search warrant. That was one of the yeah. first things she did. Like, she's just not listening at all. Mm -mm. Nope. She just does not want to. No. Wow. Yep. But you're right. This is unusual. Usually an attorney like this would not yep. be making a public statement. So you know that things are bad. Yep. That they're willing to come forward and say this, you know, mm -hmm. and that he's willing to talk about it. Here's the other thing he said. He said he's handled 75 to 100 murder cases and taken 35 to 50 of them clear to trial, including several death penalty cases. He mm -hmm. said in his 25-year career, he has never seen a pretrial defendant treated as harshly as Richard Allen. Yeah. He said his hands were handcuffed to some box connected to his chest. I mean, it looked so horribly uncomfortable. I couldn't shake his hand. I couldn't have him sign anything. They refused to unshackle him for our safety. The man is 120 pounds. Well, and he has not had any altercations. He's not hurt any guards or any other um, mm -hmm. inmates. Like, there's no justifiable reason for this. Right. He said he would have gladly stayed on the case uh, had this, you know, not all happened. and that, But that he does think the Baldwin and Rossi are great attorneys and that he's in good hands. Mm -hmm. Boy, it's not very often you see somebody, you know, an attorney's put himself out there like this and make these kinds of statements. But uh, yeah, it just continues to support what's been being said yeah, by defense. And that's that, you know, something stinks in Delphi. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I believe glad that's that... true. Maureen said, uh, if he dies pre-trial, would they call it a closed case? I believe they would. Yeah. I do too. I absolutely I think that's think kind of what they would like to see happen, to be honest. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I think that's been a question we've all had is, you know, is the treatment of him sort of a hope he won't make it to trial and then they can just say it's solved, you know, they can just put a pin in this. Yeah. It is such terrifying, just makes me sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. Mishandling of this situation. I mean, if he did it, yes, he should be, he should be uh, convicted and go to prison, but he hasn't been yet, you know, like you can't just right. treat somebody like they've already been convicted when they haven't. That's the whole point of our legal system is mm -hmm. innocent until proven guilty. And man, that is not happening in this situation at all. I really hope the Supreme Court is paying attention to what's going mm -hmm. on here because uh, well, I'm sure they are terrifying to think that here in the U.S. that people's rights could be violated by this or like this. And the person who is allowing the violation of their rights just holds the keys to the kingdom and can do whatever they want to. This is not the way our justice system is supposed to operate. Well, and unfortunately, that has been happening to uh, men of color, particularly black men, for a very long time. But yeah. now we're seeing it, it. It's getting a lot more attention because mm -hmm. it's a white man. Yeah. But these things have always happened. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be happening to anyone. It's, it's terrifying. No. No. Because if it could happen to him, it could happen to any of us. That's right. It could happen to you. It could happen to your brother. It could happen to your husband. It could happen to somebody that you love. This yeah. is the reality right now. And it's why we are not going to stop talking about this case because no. it needs all of the light. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does because the, the, the criminal justice system in Indiana is seriously broken. Yikes. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a, it's not like it, they're the only ones. They're just the ones we're looking at right now. But I look, I even think about like the Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell stuff that's going on in Idaho and look at how many times their rights as defendants have been protected by the system over and over and over again. And it, it's not supposed to go this way. Right. Right. And how many times have we said, okay, we might not like it, but... Their rights have to be defended. We want that. We want their rights to be preserved. We don't right. want a mistrial. We don't want to have to, you know, hear this again down the road. We want this to be done correctly. And yeah. this is why. Well, yeah, that's exactly why. Mm -hmm. And to make sure that a conviction will stick because there is no way that I can see that this trial, when and if it ever occurs, will not immediately result in an immediate appeal with oh. a lot of grounds for appeal yeah this case is going to get tried more than once i just don't right. think there's any question of that yeah. as long as uh goal is still the judge mm -hmm. this is not justice this is not justice for the girls this is not justice for their families no i really feel bad for abby and libby's families because they're very lost in this situation right now mm -hmm. because there's so much being done to try to protect alan's rights that they're really not even looking at the victim and, and the, the victim and their families. Mm -hmm. They can't even get to that because they got to get past this first. Well, and if this ends up in either a mistrial or has to, uh, you know, has a million appeals, this will never end for these families. 
it probably mm -hmm. won't anyway, but this will never end for these families in the courts. And that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Years and years and years of um, appeal. Mm -hmm. Well, what yeah. if, what if Richard Allen is convicted, right? What if this marches forward and Richard Allen is convicted and they can breathe a sigh of relief because the person who killed their daughters is finally behind bars. It's finally over. And then it's appealed and all of these problems are thrown out on the table. And mm -hmm. what if the next time around they lose? Yeah. And the devastation that that would wreak on the families and the community, like none of this should be happening. No, no. And, and I mean, they should be able to trust the system and, and for sure know that yes, if he's convicted, it is because he did it mm -hmm. and not because of all this other bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an important, it's an important case to keep an eye on. It's an important case to be aware of because it is a real trial of our criminal justice system itself right now. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that's everything we've got for tonight. Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode, as you know we will be, because we do Thursdays now as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we'll be back next week with lots more. There's just tons of stuff happening. We're trying to keep an eye on everything. We'll certainly, you know, be talking about this interview with Alan's yeah. former attorney. Along with all this other stuff, we're going to be keeping an eye on. I'm curious to see the prosecutor's response to the request for change of venue in Coburger. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot of things happening and, and to see what happens with this uh, state, with this uh, filing on uh, the part of Jeremy Best as well. So, Also curious to see if there'll be a new uh, status conference scheduled to Daybell soon. Yes. The one that was for, was for this week was vacated. So I would imagine there's a new one coming shortly. I would imagine, but I can imagine, I can think of a, of a defense attorney that probably said, he wasn't ready for that status conference. Really. <laughs> I think of one guy, I'm pretty sure I know his name, who clutched his pearls and said, Your Honor, I can't possibly be prepared for that. <laughs> I would have does. to work morning, noon, and night. <laughs> four, seven, 365, Your Honor. I, I, I don't even sleep anymore. I don't even eat. I put a toilet in my office, you know. Just hear all of it. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, you were Neither. kinder than me. I was thinking about Depends, but it's fine. Oh, Depends. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know that they're a little bit uh, into February. We're going to start seeing some hearings happen for Lori Vallow as well. Yes. So, mm -hmm. Lots of stuff coming. Yep. Thank you all for being here. If you're here live and in the chat, if you're here after the fact on the video or on the recording, we just really appreciate all of you for supporting us and uh, being part of our squad. Absolutely. And you know, we are the true crime squad. So thanks all of you for being here. Take care. <laughs>